Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. F- Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G, with me, as always, the one, the only, Dave Burles, Berlin. Say what? Doc, another wonderful Wednesday, sir. Mm-hmm. Another episode of the Doc G Show. Yes. 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 David, how are you today? Hmm. Man, you know, the doing pretty good. The, the weather's starting to clear up and warm up, and mm-hmm. society is... Mm-hmm. Turning around and opening mm-hmm. things up and, um, you know, not much to complain about right now. We're in good health. We, we're still a lot able to do the show. Amen. Amen. Well, Dave, you know, the How last you? You, the last five weeks, they've been pretty phenomenal for me, you know? Word. They've really? been They've been pretty phenomenal. And you know why they've been pretty phenomenal to me? Hmm. Uh, you've gotten something done each week that you didn't think you were going to be able to get done before. Of course, I mean, of course I've accomplished a lot, Dave. Nope. I mean, that goes without saying. Nope. But, no, the reason this has been so great is everyone in the past five weeks has shared in my unhealthy obsession of being Michael Jordan fans. Sweet. Yes. Ah, touche. Touche. Yes. Five I weeks. I have noticed... The public perception has turned a little bit. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Five weeks ago, ESPN started airing The Last Dance. And The Last Dance essentially chronicled everything in Jordan's career. And suddenly, five weeks, I wasn't the wacko bringing up Jordan for no apparent reason. You know? (laughs) It was everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. For five weeks, everybody else has been bringing up Jordan like I've been doing for the past 30 years of my life. That's a fact. It's been fantastic. Dave, just place yourself in this sort of mindset. Imagine you're a glue sniffer. Wait, what? Right? Mm. Let's let's imagine Mm. that. You'd probably be a little ashamed of that addiction, am I right? And so, you know, I would be. It's not the best thing to tell people about. People may even look nah. down at you if they knew about it. You know, right? They may, may, they may tell you that you need to get help for that addiction. Now, imagine one week suddenly seven million people can't get enough of glue sniffing either and want to talk about it and talk about it with you all the time. Word. That's what it's like. <laughs> That's what it's like. Michael Jordan is my crazy glue. Wait, what? That- I don't think I don't think Michael Jordan and glue is the best comparison. He's my crazy glue. It's fan don't question it. It's a good one. All right? It's a good one. He's crazy okay, glue okay. and he's sticking to me. All right? Nope. I was on a Zoom call this week for work and a lady I was talking to out of nowhere was like, "Me and my dad have been watching the last dance every Sunday." I didn't know all the reasons Michael Jordan went to play baseball. Word. And I like, I just paused a little bit and was like, what? What? And then 
I excitedly explain that section of Jordan's life for the next 10 straight minutes without taking a breath. And instead of looking at me like a wacko, she just agreed and threw some extra comments in. And I was like, yes! That's right. It's what I've been waiting for for 30 years. Yes! All right. (laughs) In another Zoom call, I had another lady say, you know, I never knew all these Michael Jordan stories of how competitive he was. And again... I went down a rabbit hole. Michael Jordan tells, you know, another just how crazy he is competitively. And Mm -hmm. instead of what normally would have happened, which would that lady would have disconnected her internet and then blamed it on the computer in a follow-up email, been like, sorry, (laughs) really enjoyed your Michael Jordan story, but my computer broke down. Sorry about that. No, she (laughs) followed in. She went right along with the story, Dave. Right along with it. Yeah. Amazing. These past five weeks, I've actually had friends, and this is an exaggeration, friends texting me every end of the weekend recapping the last dance. And they ask me follow-up questions. Yeah. Yeah. And they're they're like, do you think he could have won seven? Yes. I'm like, yeah. It's like, do you think the 72 Bulls are one of the greatest teams of all time? I'm like, yes. Yes. They're like, would Michael Jordan trash talk a baby? Of course. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. 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 These past five weeks, Dave, got me thinking, you know? If yeah. if people can suddenly become obsessed with something I've obsessed about my whole life, then it can probably happen with other things I obsess about. And, you know, one thing I obsess about a lot is the show. That's a fact. That's true. So get ready, Dave. Next week, 7 million listeners. It's happening. Bam. Well, it you is know, happening. another thing is people, you know, there's the LeBron-Jordan comparison. And, you know, for maybe the last few years, maybe it was like, well, LeBron may, maybe edged a little bit. And people kind of forgot the greatness of Jordan. You no. know, now we, we may be in the same talks with some of the other radio shows and you're right so you're right be on the lookout folks they they've they've been reminded they're like you know what this show is right up there it's probably eh, the howard stern show forget about that so true it's the doc g show that's what it's about. Exactly. Nice. Exactly. I like, I like the comparison. While we're basking in Jordan glory and waiting for the seven million to arrive, do you want to fire up this show? Let's fire it up, buddy. Five. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. Whoo, Dave. Crazy good show. Oh, my goodness. Straight out of Tejas, Austin. That's Texas for you folks that don't speak Spanish. Tejas. Um, uh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have the none other than the jo- uh, Jamestown Revival. These fellas. Sweet. Zach mm. and John. My goodness. Killer tunes. Yes. Super nice dudes, these guys. Yes. And, Dave, there's something about them that you're going to really like. Hmm. What is they're that? In, they're into lizard knowledge. Ooh, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, they're big into lizards, Dave. Big into lizards. We're going to talk about being a herpetologist, a a reptile, a reptile scientist. Yes. That's a fact. Which you'd think, herpetologist, you could come up with a better name. Come on, guys. Come up with a better yeah. name. Yeah. 
Anyways, before we get to all that, we gotta start where we start. Birthday soon. Let's go. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Now, Dave, I want to apologize because last week, well, two weeks ago, I said mm -hmm. that we were going to do percentages, and I did mm -hmm. not do the percentages last week. I failed on that. Well, don't worry. This week, percentages. We got percentages. All right. So this first one, I'm going... Three fourths in, seventy five percent. That's what I'm giving a confidence rating on it. Seventy five percent. It's a big name, not your wheelhouse though at all. So yeah, okay, I'm digging it. Born on May twentieth, nineteen forty six. So mm -hmm. seventy four, going seventy four. Mm -hmm. In El Centro, California, her parents divorced when she was ten months old. Her mother mm -hmm. started getting small roles in television shows when our birthday suit wear was growing up. When our birthday mm -hmm. suit wear was in fifth grade, she produced the musical Oklahoma for her teacher and class. Mm -hmm. She mm -hmm. fell in love with performing and singing. Mm -hmm. And at 16, mm -hmm. she dropped out of high school to start singing. Mm -hmm. While mm -hmm. singing on the Sunset Strip, she met fellow singer... Sonny Bono, and eventually mm -hmm. got married. She was signed mm -hmm. to Liberty Records in 1964, and in 1965, her and Sonny recorded the song, I Got You, Babe, yes! which became a number one hit. You, babe. In uh -huh. 1971, they had their own TV show. It's extremely popular for the three years it aired. In 1971 mm -hmm. as well, she released her first uh, solo uh, hit titled Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves. Sweet. In 1974, mm -hmm. our birthday suit wear divorced Sonny Bono and then remarried Greg Almond from the Almond Brothers, but they divorced mm -hmm. in 1979. Following mm -hmm. the divorce, she legally changed her name so the four surnames she had would no longer mm -hmm. be used. She went by mm -hmm. one name. Mm -hmm. In 1989, she released the song, If I Could Turn Back Time. Wait, what? Hmm? Hmm? Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> like, Dave's just like, notes. I get it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Turn back time. Come yep. on. I gave turn an inspirational back turn back time, Dave. Come on. Yeah. No, nope, I don't got it yet. It reached number three on the Billboard charts. Okay, well, now this one. In 1998, she released her song, Believe. If you believe, you believe in love. That is Miss Cher. Yes, there it is. It took until the 98 release, but there it is. Yes. Five years old in 98. <laughs> hey, you were alive, and I know you were pumping some Cher when you were five years oh, old. Don't who deny didn't it. didn't listen to that song? So you get you got it, dude. You went over the seventy-five percent. Nice. Thank nice. you. Thank you. Thank you. That's good job there, man. Share turning the big seven four. Jeez. Wow, seven get, four. Dang. Got a I lot of plastic that. surgery. That's a fact. I'm not gonna lie, but she looks good. <laughs> she looks good with it. You know, she wears it well. That's what and, I'm used to her looking like. So, <laughs> now I don't I don't know, Dave, if you get into the uh, if you got in 
to the if I could turn back time, but that's a jam right there. So true. That 1988-89 song, that's a jam. I'll it was have a, to figure it out. It was also a pretty it. risque song because in the mm-hmm. video, she uh, she she did the video on a navy uh, a navy ship with actual uh, navy uh, uh, officers, officers on there. Oh, yeah, wow. and she was wearing a g string and pantyhose in the video. What? Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> little sure little they love that. Little wild there. You know what I'm saying? A little wild. Mm-hmm. A little ridiculous. But it's a good jam. If I could turn back time. If I could find a way. No, that's it. You got to do that's it like that. That's pretty good. I c- Thanks. You Thanks. S- you got that little hoarseness in your voice like she does? I can, yeah. I can, right. put that, I can put it together. You thinking I should maybe start doing that? Uh, maybe. Yeah, that's going to be that's gonna be added to the, uh, you know, the compilation. Nice, good, good. We're gonna put it in there. And uh, nonetheless, happy birthday, share. Turn to the big seven happy four. Happy birthday, share. Seven four. Yeah, yeah. Dave, we've got a uh, unturned stone. Wait, what? We need to flip it. Okay. We need to flip Let's that son it. of a B in a segment we call Ooh. previously on the Doc G Show. Previously on the Doc G Show. Mm. Dave, last week during shoutouts, we had some new listens in Abbotsford, Canada. Mm-hmm. And I told you I was going to Abbotsford. I needed to hit up Golden Ears Provincial Park. And yes. y- you were like, why is it called Golden Ears Provincial Park? And I was like, you know what? I don't Good know. Question. Yeah. yeah. And Dave, I'm proud to say that seconds. Maybe even minutes of research helped me find the answer. Yes! I dug oh. and dug for at least 30 very seconds. Thorough. Yeah. Very, very thorough. And I got to be honest, it's not too exciting. Nope. Uh, apparently, oh. there's a mountain in the park called Mount mm-hmm. Blanchard, and it has two okay. peaks that look like two animal ears. Mm-hmm. So, so they call it Golden Ears Provincial Park. So once when the sun hits it, they're Golden golden. Ears. Yep. Bam. Yep. yep. Now, well, I feel like I've increased my knowledge immensely yep. from that. So true. Well, now, it's not that exciting, Dave, but I do have something else that's exciting. Get a load of this. The 2014 movie Godzilla. The mm-hmm. 2014 Planet of the Apes. The Twilight uh-huh. movie. And mm-hmm. Rambo First Blood. All filmed. All in that park. Golden Ears Provincial Park. How about that? Look at that. Yeah. Now that is yeah. a good fact right there. Yeah, that gets you going. Got me going. Oh, I, that got me randy. Huh? Yeah. I'd like to I'd like to hit up that park, put on my Rambo bandana, go to town. Word. You know? Take a picture. How many people do that, gram. I wonder? I wonder how many people go there and put on the Rambo bandana. Oh, Although I, I bet a decent amount. Although he didn't really, I mean, the real bandana tying was in the second and third Rambo. So true. Because, you know, it's when, you know, when he the got the revenge. Yeah, 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 yeah. Word. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. All right, Dave. Are you ready? Are you ready? Rip some headlines. Let's rip it, buddy. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Okay, Dave. First story. K-R-O-N, Channel 4 in California. So, Dave, I'm sure you remember last week 
the kid who stole his parents' car. Yep. Yeah, well, he's back in the news. Oh! Yes. So, what do you uh, do this time? Well, I guess so, it was just more in-depth coverage. Well, so uh, once again, I got to say, people are teaching this kid the wrong kind of lesson. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. So this kid commits grand theft auto, drives without a license, and gets pulled mm -hmm. over by the cops. And now... There, and th just uh, take a step back with that. Think there are literally thousands of folks in jail spending years behind bars for that. That's a fact. But instead, <laughs> this kid got flown to California last week by a celebrity luxury car dealer to sit mm. and drive around in a bunch of different luxury cars, including Lamborghinis. Gracious. Then that is stupid. Not only that, Jamie Foxx wanted to meet him, and Jamie Foxx met him and drove him around in his Lamborghini. Wait, what? Like, and, why? And then he got FaceTime. What about the social distancing? <laughs> they gave up. <laughs> Who cares? It's Lamborghinis. Let's get it on. Um, yeah, you can't get Corona in a Lamborghini. Nope. Then he got FaceTime calls from Shaq and Lil Pump. What? What? Well, who was Little Pump to go and freaking... I don't... And then... Uh, can you imagine, too, by the way, like, Little Pump's manager trying to get this kid's phone number to FaceTime? Like, him calling right. up people like, hey, I'm Little Pump's manager, and they're like, yeah. And he's like, we're looking for that kid that stole a car. Word. Can we is he your kid? His, can we find his number? Because Little Pump is weird and wants to talk to him. That's a fact. Like, what? Then a local man named Jeremy Neves in Colorado who owns a Lamborghini also mm -hmm. took this kid for a drive. Girl, come on. And he said, quote, I'm absolutely inspired by the principles that he displayed of success. Hmm. Knowing what he wants and going after it. Then hmm. he paused and said, absolutely I'm not encouraging kids to go out and take their parents' car and do anything else that's illegal. Wait, what? Actually, Jeremy, you did that exact thing. That's exactly right, like what you did. A promotion. Ugh. I mean, is is this what happens when a guy like makes millions of dollars off of drug dealing? Do cops say I'm absolutely inspired by the principles that this drug dealer displayed of success? Yes. But hey, encouraging people to deal drugs and murder people, I absolutely don't do that. But this dude, so successful, you got to give it up. Like, come on. Just saying. Like, this kid's, it this could kid. have been really bad, and the kid hasn't learned a lesson. Exactly. This kid's five. I don't mean to be the old man, but we already know I'm the old man, all right? You're the old man. Yes! If he is, if he is rewarded by getting to meet Shaq and Jamie Foxx for stealing cars, what's the take-home message? Doing wrong things gets you awesome stuff. So true. That right. is the message. Come on, folks. Come on. Get out of town. Get out Be of better. town, Dave. All right, Dave. Let's go to the next story, CBS News Channel 3 in Memphis, and see what happens to a 22-year-old when they commit Grand Theft Auto. 
Um, oh, good segue there. <laughs> so this past Wednesday, Mississippi police got a call when the owner of the Smoky Corner Barbecue said someone had stolen his food trailer and truck. Wait, what? The police pulled over the truck on I-22, but in the middle of the stop, the suspect sped off mm-hmm. and got up to 120 miles per hour Jeez. in a pickup Jeez. truck pulling a barbecue food trailer. Just picture that in your head. You're just going mm-hmm. down the interstate on a nice drive, and all of a sudden a barbecue truck goes by you at 120. What the carrying carrying yeah. a grill in the back <laughs> and and like fifteen cop cars flying by. Yeah, jeez. Police laid down spike strips, which flattened the truck tires and broke the rear axle of the trailer, but didn't slow down the suspect. He kept essentially riding on rims until the truck completely just gave out on him a hundred percent. But eventually. <laughs> truck and the trailer wouldn't go any further suspect was arrested on charges of grand larceny aggravated assault and disorderly conduct not given rides in other food trucks by famous people nope just saying just saying dave uh i'm gonna follow up and Mm -hmm. like uh i i gotta be honest i want to see when he's gonna get invited to some nice celebrity barbecue trailers i really want to know you know i mean that's a good idea i mean what's next i gotta say i'm inspired by this dude's principles he displayed for success so true i don't know if you are but i thought you know going 120 miles per hour in a barbecue trailer pretty cool it's actually impressive yeah exactly (laughs) exactly so but I, I, let's I do him. I do say I've got to wonder what he was planning on doing with this barbecue trailer. I mean, hmm. what do you like? Are you gonna Maybe use he was it? Having a party? Yeah, like are you gonna use it at home? Like I need some barbecue. It's gonna be a lot. Might as well just steal a trailer. Word. Like I don't. <laughs> like I, I mean, he was headed towards Memphis. He's got to realize the barbecue market is saturated in Memphis. Very you know? saturated. He's got to drive to, like, New Hampshire. Then you've got a new market for your product. You can really make some bank with your stolen trailer. I'm just saying. Just, right. Just thinking out loud. I like the initiative. Like bring the Memphis truck to yes. you know, New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Get it. Like yes. Whatever. Amen. Amen, Dave. This next story... CBS Channel 11, Dallas, Texas. So uh, there's been a lot of pushback from people about wearing masks, right? You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of places, uh, it's mandatory in most areas of the country to wear a mask when you go inside a store. You know? Uh, Well, there was some flack. There was some flack in Dallas, Texas for it. And a good example of that flack would be Kevin Bain. So, Bain went on uh, Facebook and first posted a comment saying, any business that tells him to wear a mask will get told to kiss his corona ass. Word. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Later, he went on to post about his trip to Whole Foods and Mm -hmm. said, quote, 
Do I have to show the lame security guard outside of a ghetto store my COVID-19 test results? You know what? I'll show him my Glock 21 shooting range results. Hmm. Oh. Now, sadly, Dave, for Kevin, he did this on a real Facebook account. His Facebook account. Sadly, Kevin didn't realize there's a ramification sometimes when you put things about shooting other folks on your Facebook page. Like, yeah. the law firm that you work for will fire you like they did Kevin. Oh, yeah. Burn. Yeah. Not good for Kevin. Nope. So, I got a lot of things about this per, uh, post day, but first, um, I know we've told the listeners about a lot of reasons that aren't good enough to shoot somebody, and... I'm going to put on that list telling you that you have to wear a mask in a store because it's a law. Not not a good yeah. enough reason to shoot somebody. Nope. No. Not the best idea. You know what? I might even go out on a limb, Dave, and say that falls below uh, putting your teacup on your grandma's furniture or eating your cousin's chips as valid reasons to shoot somebody. So true. It's even below those two. <laughs> I'm gonna say. It's, it's I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna put them in order, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Second, this is the thing that confused me the most about the story. When has a Whole Foods ever been quoted as ghetto? That that was the first thing that caught me off guard. Yeah, I was like, what? You, what? Like that's like trying to tell people anti ghetto. That's like people being like, hey, so I went to this real gangster country club was off the chain. No, it's it a country so club. Gangster. Come on. It's a Whole Foods. What is It's a country what is, club grocery store. What is ghetto about Whole Foods? Nothing. They've got organic everything. That you go in there and it's uh, forget it. Anyways, you're wrong, it just Kevin. Smells like nature. That's a fact. You're wrong. Uh Dave, this and next unemployed. He has that. Boom. So, Dave, this next story is from NBC Channel 12 in Virginia. Mm -hmm. Dave, okay. what do robbers usually use to disguise their face? Ski masks. Yes. Yes. Mask in general. Yes! Uh, apparently, two fellas in uh, Louisa, Virginia thought, mm -hmm. you know what? Too many people are wearing masks because of this coronavirus. We better switch it mm -hmm. up. Word. So, uh, they wore hollowed-out watermelons. Hmm. Oh, wow. They really wanted to um, uh, differentiate themselves yeah. from the crowd. Yeah. You know, it's funny. My buddy, he's got a concealed weapons and all that or whatever. And he actually made a post on Facebook the other day. He's like, you know, it's very strange to be wearing a mask and, and having my concealed weapon on me and no one really be alarmed because they're all kind of in the same situation where they like yeah. the mask is is accepted now and it's not a yeah. weird thing to see so i thought that was an interesting point but um these people i guess kind of had the same thoughts where they're like that's not intimidating enough <laughs> so let's <laughs> let's hollow out some watermelons well so these two fellas we business cruised into sheets the gas station last week and uh, walked in wearing their hollowed out watermelons and uh, demanded money from the cashier and uh, then they left with the cash now after the story came out though 
people on social media started posting pictures of where they had seen these two dudes earlier in the day. Wait, what? These dudes oh. walked around town with their watermelons, and one person posted on Facebook a picture of them in Food Lion hmm. that the robbers actually posed for. Like, oh the, man, they were like, "Oh, those are cool watermelons. Uh, you want to take a pic? Yeah, we'll just hold on here. There we go." Um, I'm not sure if these guys have heard. But typically, when you commit larceny, you generally want to keep a low profile. That's a fact. I don't know if they know that or not. You Very true. You usually want to lay low. It's not a good idea to go to multiple stores taking publicity photos and riding around in your getaway car. Nope. It, it doesn't tend to decrease the odds that you'll, uh, you'll get away with your crime. That doesn't, Agreed. doesn't work. It didn't really work that way. Watermelon bandits. They've already been apprehended, by the way. They have, uh, uh, they've been. Thank goodness. Yeah. Didn't didn't make it far. Nope. Uh, Dave, I think you would agree with me. Uh, if you're in a custody battle for your kids with your mm-hmm. ex-wife and you actually want to see your kids again, then mm-hmm. a bad idea would to be challenge your ex-wife to a sword fight. Yeah, that doesn't really help you anywhere, you no. know? No, it's not a good idea. And apparently, Dave, no. uh, Dave from Kansas didn't see it that way. So, Dave from Kansas made a court filing in the case with his ex-wife to be allowed to fight his former wife with a sword and fight her attorney so that he could, quote, rend their souls from their bodies. Hmm. <laughs> not not too surprisingly, after he made that court filing, uh, the judge temporarily suspended the father from being able to see his kids and then ordered that he get a psychological evaluation. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. The evaluation found that he had adjustment disorder with mixed emotional features. So... Then Dave uh, told the newspaper that essentially it says he's not crazy. I just don't like being denied access to my children. Wait, what? He then asked the judge to order psychological evaluations of his ex-wife and attorney. Hmm. Which and I got. <laughs> which I gotta be honest. You challenge your wife, your ex-wife, to a sword fight. You're gonna have a hard time proving that you're not the crazy one. It's just, yeah. <laughs> it's just gonna be tough. I mean, I get it. He's a little upset, but you gotta understand, it's gonna be tough. It's an uphill battle, buddy. It's an uphill battle. Dave, good luck Don't in Kansas. Up. Yeah, good luck in Kansas, man. <laughs> uh, this next story is from OnlineAthens.com, Athens, okay. Georgia. Uh, mm-hmm. Dave, when you go to McDonald's, are you expecting much in re- or in regards to service or quality? Hmm. You know, the only thing that I expect nine times out of ten is for my order to be right. Okay. Okay, that's, that's good enough. It. That's yeah. That's that's, that's enough. If the order is correct, I'm not really too picky about you know the quality. 
I, I just, to, to be you know, honest, I don't even expect that. Nope. You know what? I'm like, I'm <laughs> I think like, we had the. You're not the guy that looks in the bag to check. No, I, I'm. I you, just, a, you pay your couple of bucks and you get what you get. I paid a dollar for a cheeseburger. That's a fact. You know, and right, I'm, right. Just meat, cheese, and two buds, and you're good to go. Yeah, and, and I mean, I waited two minutes to get it. You don't really have right. the right to expect any quality or service when you're there. Nope. But apparently, a thirty-year-old, a thirty-three-year-old Athens man this Friday, he expected a little too much. So so true. He showed up to the McDonald's drive-through, made his order, mm-hmm. and according to him, the drive-through worker told him to pull forward. Wait, what? They didn't mm-hmm. ask him to pull forward. They demanded, which he said McDonald's is allowed to ask him to pull forward, but they cannot tell him to pull forward. Hmm. To which the employee then was like, you know what? I'm not giving you your food. And the dude was (laughs) like, well, then I want a refund, which the employee was like, cool, we'll do that. And she gave him the refund in all coins. Yeah, which kudos, kudos McDonald's, nice slight, nice slight. He wants to be petty, you'll be the Richard Petty of petty. I like it, I like it. But this dude wasn't done. After the employee gave him the refund, he parked his car and went in to complain about how upset he was. Girl, come on. So then the employees, uh, um, uh, the employees of McDonald's were like, "All right, call the cops," and the cops came and were like, "Yeah, you're banned from McDonald's for two years." So sweet. Pretty, pretty. I was pretty happy with this for the service industry all around. I was like, "This is great." The the McDonald's got their slide in. They banned the dude. I I say kudos to everyone involved. Nicely done. Did we don't yeah, it was a good little you know back and forth we don't we don't we don't need that kind of nonsense going on at McDonald's uh Dave we got one more story uh this is from upi.com last week mm-hmm. we talked about a fairly substantial world record right mm-hmm. right we talked about the rapper Watsky breaking the world record longest freestyle 33 30, hours yeah 33 minutes. 33 seconds. Which, you know, that's a pretty normal record, and it's pretty impressive, you know? It's not something really weird and pretty impressive. Well, this week, we're definitely taking away all the normality and impressiveness with this world record. So, David Rush broke another world record. That's right. David Rush already owns a 100 world records over a hundred jeez what a yeah. baller yeah well so I don't even have one and he's got a hundred well we've talked about him before he's the man that broke the record for the longest toss of a tortilla shell yeah oh yeah okay yep yep well he decided you know what let's get another super not worthwhile world record here we go so he recruited his bro Jonathan Hannon and essentially they made a table out of shaving cream on Jonathan's head. Hmm. And then table they attempted cream. to throw ping pong balls at it mm-hmm. to see mm-hmm. how many ping pong balls they could catch in shaving cream. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the world record. And Dave, okay. I'm here to tell you 
they blew away the previous world record. Yes. I said that there was already a world record for that, but that's right. Going there, <laughs> the previous world record was 22 in 30 seconds. Well, John wow. and Dave, they achieved 29 in 30 seconds. Man, that's that is impressive seven, accuracy. Seven ball improvement. That is right. Yes. That is right. Man. I got to be honest though with these records, like. Uh, like, do do the folks at Guinness ever get together and just be like, you know what? What's the weirdest record you've seen this week? <laughs> L- well, well, like, I just, I feel like they get together like, you know what? No, we're not even going to judge this one. It's not this worth it. This one doesn't that's, make the cut. <laughs> that's too stupid. Like, like who, who cares? Like, honestly, right. that's so weird. So weird, and it's like you is, said. Is who's... there a monetary award for a Guinness Book World? No, record? you just get a you get a plaque. That's it, you know. So I mean, I, well, you're a hundred percent sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Now the the good good God, man, the Guinness people would have to be made of money if there was a monetary. Well, the, uh, they're, award. they're selling books and stuff. Not not enough to keep up with all these stupid awards. So true. Good Lord. Yeah, if they keep if they give anyone a record for anything, yeah, quick. Anyways, Dave, that is ripped from the headlines. We are gonna take a break. We are gonna hear from our guest, Jamestown Revival. This is Crazy World, right here on the Doc G Show. Megaphone marauders beating down my battle door Master of the soapbox gonna shout a little more Tin Pan Alley Tomcat said I'd be a millionaire I lost my sense of time, I didn't even care I try believing, believing in the goodness of man I learned my lesson He took all I had Turned around and ran Yeah, man, it's still a crazy world I guess some things are never gonna change Yeah, man, what you gonna do? It's harder every day Just trying to make it through It's true Maybe Judgment Day is overdue Walking home alone, I took a trail down through the pines Serenaded by the song of a world I left behind Somewhere singing in a minor key Everything I see reminded me It's hard to slow the steady march of time has it all been decided? I worry that I never had a choice. Have we all been misguided? Just another voice adding to the noise. Yeah, man, it's still a crazy world. I guess some things are never gonna change. 
you gonna do? It's harder every day Just trying to make it through It's true Maybe judgment day is overdue On the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Dave? Hmm. Guys, do us a favor. Download our podcast mm-hmm. on any app you use yeah. for your podcast. Yeah. Give us a five-star rating. Yeah. Throw a comment in there. Mm-hmm. And say how much you love us. Yes. Then go on the website, www.thedocgshow.com. Yeah. See all the goodies we got on there. Yes. Pretty sure you can also download it from there yeah. or listen to you it. You can. 100%. Then you can follow us on Instagram. Yes. At docgshow. Uh, at the Doc G Show. That's it. No, just Doc G Show. No, the. Just Doc G Show. Yeah, That's just Doc it. G Show. Uh, thank you, Dave. Cool. Thank Do you. Do it. Uh, you know what I noticed this week? Hmm. I noticed, right, every now and then on Instagram, I've uh, put up uh, Spotify, the Spotify, Spotify playlist to remind people to check it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Our former guests really like promoting that on their pages. Yes! That's, oh. Since it's just their music, they really jump on that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when I tag them in it, they're like, oh, yeah! And put that on there like like gangbusters. But when it when it's me talking, they're like, screw that guy. I'm not putting him on there. No, 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 no. 
But their music? Oh, sure. Come on, guys. They eat it up. You greedy gusses. Yeah. I'm just saying. Anyways, no, thanks for putting it on there, guys. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. All right, Dave. It's time to appreciate the folks that listen to the show. It's time to time to really back them up here. Time to get excited. All right? Here we go. Regulars. Okay. Jacksonville. Shout out. The whole area. Everywhere. Duval. Clay County. St. John's. Orange Park. Downtown. Riverside. The Jack's Beach, Neptune Beach, Atlantic Beach, Ponte Vedra, everywhere. Say what? Give it up. All those Man, folks. Look at those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Columbia. Thank you. Thank you. Columbia, South Carolina. Shout Give out. it up for the, the home the of the Cox. Yes. Give it up for the home of the Gators, Gainesville, Florida. Shout, Shout out. out to them. Thank Shout you. Shout out to Gville. Mountain View, California, our West Coast Connect. Giving it up. Shout out. Yes. Charlotte, North Carolina. Give it up for the Queen City. Okay, Charlotte. All right. Kenner, Louisiana, right there. Downtown New Orleans. Give it up. Yes. Shout out. All right. Dublin, Ireland. Always. They've been been listening a lot. I mean. Dublin's been on. Yeah, they've been on it. And I appreciate it. I appreciate it a lot. Shout out. Uh, indeed. Fantastic. Ashburn, Virginia. Shout out to Ashburn. Shout out. Shout out to Barcelona, Spain. Give it up for Barcelona. Mm. Consistent. Shout out. Consistent. Shout out we to... We love consistency. We do. We do, Dave. We love it. Shout out to Genoa, Italy. Shout yes. Out. Consistent. Consistent mm. as the, the, the nighttime. Consistent. The quality of salami. What? Yes. Amen. Consistent. Charleston, South Carolina. Consistent Madison, Tennessee. Consistent London, England. There we go. The regulars. Shout them out. Shout them out. All right, Dave. Some semi-regulars. We got some return. Some some repeat repeat offenders. Pretty excited. Came back. Uh, first off, Keswick, Canada. They're back on the list. Nicely done, Keswick. There we go. Staying on. Back. Winfield, West Virginia. Still on the list. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Hamburg. That's right. I'm still calling you Hamburg, and you're still there. I I, I appreciate it. Dave, next one's a big one. They let me down, but they're back. Roanoke, Virginia. Star City. They're back, Dave. They're back. There we go. They heard you, and they answered. They're back, and they, they had high numbers, Dave. Up there with Dublin this, this week. Up there. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Nice. Peoria, Illinois. They're back. They're still here. San Jose, California. They're back. Atlanta. All right. All right. Atlanta's almost earned it. They've almost got regulars again. Almost. Keep it up, Atlanta. San Francisco. They're getting to be regulars. They keep it up. There'll be some regulars. Okay. Okay. Auckland, New Zealand. Back in the mix. What's up, Auckland? Auckland. Yeah. Right. Athens, Georgia. Maybe it was the dude that got uh, thrown out of McDonald's. We're sorry you got thrown out of McDonald's, but it's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> True that. Tel Aviv, Israel. Shout out to Tel Aviv. Shout All right, out. Dave. Newcomers. Two newcomers. First one. Okay. Se- Sevilla, Spain. Sevilla, Spain. Sevilla. Yeah. Now, Dave, I've been told if I go to Sevilla, Spain, you know, I'm I'm not I, I it's it's hard 
for me to imagine that this still goes on, but it still goes on in Sevilla, Spain. A little, a little bullfighting. A little bullfighting. Oh. Yeah. Plaza de Toros. De la Real Maestranza. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I almost got it out. I screwed up on Maestranza. That was almost smooth. Yeah, yeah, almost got it. Sorry, Spanish speakers. I screwed it up there at the end. They're like, you didn't have it at the start. <laughs> Shut up. That's a fact. Um, <laughs> anyways... We could go check out a bullfight, Dave. That'd be insane. Yes! Be nuts. That'd be crazy, kind of scary. A little bit. But it would be cool. You know, I feel bad for the bull. I'm going to be honest, you know? Like, what did he, yeah, what did that, he do? Yeah, softy in me. You know? You know. What did he do? He just wanted you know. I just think of Ferdinand the bull. You remember that book when you were a kid? Hmm. Ferdinand? Nah. No? Nah. Ferdinand. That must have been... Ferdinand was the nice guy. It. He was no, no. It's still out there. Check it out. It's a, it's like a bestseller. It's a New York Times bestseller every year. I made that up, but it's fine. Yeah, in the seventies. <laughs> no, Ferdinand the Bull did not come out in the seventies. I'm gonna look it up, and we're gonna we're gonna okay. we're gonna talk about it when we come back. Take it out. But anyways. Ferdinand the Bull, look it up. Okay, I just, I just, okay. I just, uh, I Keep googled going. it. It's 1938 <laughs> film. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been around for a little bit. But it's a, it's a bestseller every year since 1938. That's right. That's right, Dave. Forever, oh, for for eighty years, it has been a bestseller. You don't even know. You don't even know. Anyways. We go check out a bullfight. But anyways, Ferdinand, he was nice bull that didn't want to fight anybody. He just wanted to smell the flowers, man. That's all he wanted to do. That's a fact. He just wanted to hang out. But anyways, it's tradition in Sevilla. It's a tradition. It's part of their culture. They're all about it. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh... Thank you for the listen, Sevilla. I'm not I'm not I'm not bashing yeah, the thanks, culture. Joe. Thank you. Thank you. Uh Dave, the next one. Another interesting one here. Windsor, California. Windsor. Windsor. Okay. What's it interesting about Windsor? Well, it's 60 miles north of San Fran. Uh, mm -hmm. It's home mm -hmm. to the oldest Iron Man in the continental United States. Yep. Oh. Yep. Okay. How old is he? No, no, no. The oldest actual race. Not person. Oldest oh, okay. race. Okay, the oldest running race yeah. still. Yeah, Iron gotcha. Man, Vine Man, Triathlon. Yeah, mm. yeah. How long has it been around for? I, oh, man, follow up. Follow up. Oh, I haven't, buddy, come I, on. Sorry, I didn't know you were going to actually care about it. I, I thought well, it's you... like the 100-year anniversary of it. I'm like, man, I didn't know Iron Man was around for that long. I'm going to guess it. I, I'm going to guess right now. Put me down for uh, mm, 65, 70. Yeah, yeah let's say I'm going to say it started in 71. 71. Oh, 1971? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm going with. Uh, put it down. Yeah, that's about 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, here's the other interesting thing about Windsor. Guy Fieri lives there. That's right. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I'm guessing... like Guy Fieri. I'm guessing that was Guy that was listening to us this week. That's what I'm going to guess. It's Guy. Definitely. Shout out to Guy. What's up, Guy? We, we're foodies. Yes, exactly. What's up, buddy? Exactly. All right, Dave. Thanks to everyone listening. Newcomers, keep it up. Windsor, I'm looking Sir. at you. Sevilla, I'm looking at you. Keep it up. Uh, Dave, it's time. Second birthday suit. 
Numero dos. Okay, so this is the lowest of the week. This is this is a sixty percenter. Hmm. Sixty. Six zero. Now this is uh and the main reason it is is before your time. It's uh it's well I mean share was before your time, but this guy isn't mm-hmm. as big as share. So you know, we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm okay. yeah, n- now that I'm thinking about it, I might take it up to seventy five too. But I've already wrote it down. It's sixty. It has to be sixty. Yes! Okay. Okay. Born okay. born on May twentieth, nineteen seventy two in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, our birthday suit wearer's parents were Jamaican. Uh, our birthday suit wearer from a young age liked hip-hop. He ended up actually going to the same high school for some time uh, as Notorious B.I.G. and Jay-Z. Wait, what? But he gr- oh, dang. Yeah, but he graduated later from a, from a school in Long Island uh, in 1991. In 1990, he formed a rap group called Leaders of the New School. The group was popular enough to open for Public Enemy. Jeez. Mm-hmm. By, by 1992, the group had broke up, and our birthday suit wearer had started to do several solo rap performances. In the summer of 1995, our birthday suit wearer released his solo album, When Disaster Strikes, with the hit s- single, Woo-ha! Got you all in check. Jeez. Yes. Then in 1998, he released his second album, Extinction Level Event, Final World Front, with the hit single, Gimme Some More. In 2001, he released his fourth album, Genesis, with the, the hit single, Break Your Neck, and then the single, Pass the Cavassier, Part 2, with Pharrell and P. Diddy. In 2002... Mm-hmm. He released an album titled It Ain't Safe No More with the single Just Make It Clap. Just Make It Clap. Oh. Um, Since then, he has released going, three more right, albums, it, 2009, 2012, and 2020. Hmm. His name starts with a B. Think it out. Think it out. The clap. Oh, um, Buster Rhymes. There it is. Nicely done, Buster Rhymes. I was. I had his. I had his like sound of his voice on the tip of my tongue, but I couldn't get it because you know he's got that like deep raspy voice. Yeah, yeah. I was. Oh, I, I was. I was worried. I, I. thought I was like. I was like, make it clap is getting into territory that that might have been around. Once yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave started listening to music, it's it's there. Yes, I think it's there. So yes, yes, Ooh. turning the big four eight. Buster Rhymes forty eight. Four eight. Yeah. Ooh. Happy birthday, buddy. Yeah, man. He shaved the dreads back in the day. It made me sad when he shaved his dreads. Oh. That was sad because see, I always knew him before dreads. Yeah, all or like or like at post dreads. I mean, all nineties was 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 dreadbuster rhymes for sure, for sure. Yes. Anyways, we are gonna take a break. We are gonna hear one more time from our guest this week, none other than Jamestown Revival. This time, we're gonna hear who hung the moon, and then we will be back with none other than James Town Revival right here on the Doc G Show. Don't y'all go anywhere. 
Thank you. 
Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today we are joined by Zach Chance and Jonathan Clay, better known as the healer and the architect, better known as Southern and Garfunkel, and even better known as Jamestown Revival. Yeah. Guys, how's it going? Doing well. Another day in quarantine. Whew. Whew. So good, man. Yeah. So good. Now, I've seen uh, a, a couple things you guys have done live streaming during quarantine. Um, how 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 has that been? How have you enjoyed the quarantine performances? More than we've enjoyed them better than we thought. Because honestly, it wasn't something we really did much before quarantine. Mm-hmm. And I think quarantine forced us to maybe get out of our routines mm-hmm. and get out of our norms a little bit. So I think that was a good thing. And honestly, we enjoyed them more than we thought we would. Nice. Now, I've, I've asked a couple of other guests uh, since this quarantine started if they look at the comments. Hmm. Do you look at any of the comments like while it's going, or do you just perform and then check them after? I'm, I'm sporadic. But the <laughs> problem is the comments are so delayed yeah. that uh, you try to yeah. answer it, and it's like from three minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that so it is. It be a little weird. For sure. Every for time sure. I try to read the comments, I feel like any progress is comes to a halt. I turn into an old man who's just staring at the screen. <laughs> yeah. I, it's I've like the that. same way when I'm on stage and I and I make too much eye contact with somebody up close and then I yeah. forget the words to talk. <laughs> yeah, but we, we do a little bit of both. It's actually, I think John and I both had a little bit of an, uh, I don't know, maybe a fear of doing the live stream thing and and the more we've done it the more i, I, I realized there is a you can connect with people in a cool way and we got really fun feedback so i think it was rewarding for us yeah yeah well, it, it's it's interesting because i think it gives uh some some fans that aren't necessarily good in a live setting like they don't get the the full experience because maybe they're a lot more introverted. It lets them actually feel like they're even more connected to the band when they do these quarantine shows. Yeah. So I think I think it's a positive for for at least some of the fans uh, for sure. And yeah. at least you guys get to you know do what you like to do. It might not be the 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 best scenario, but it's 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 something while while we're stuck at home. Yeah. Uh, I also noticed that John has used uh, this quarantine time to catch snakes. Wait, what? I noticed, uh, I saw, <laughs> I saw some snake catching yeah. there. So, uh, you know, little known fact: when I was little, uh, actually, up until the time I was, you know, fifteen, yeah, fourteen, fifteen years old, I wanted to be a herpetologist. Nice. I was obsessed with reptiles and amphibians, and I had pythons and king snakes and all kinds of tree frogs and geckos yes, growing up. Man. Yes, and uh, yeah, I I was I studied snake books, and uh, I can you know on site still recall all of that information. So nice. it's, it's actually a pretty handy thing to be able to you know identify any snake I see running around. Yeah, so I'm you know trying to instill that in my son a little bit, <laughs> give him an appreciation rather than an aversion or a fear of snakes because. I really do love snakes, and you know they're really misunderstood. And, uh, they're often uh, uh, misidentified. You yeah, know, everybody thinks any snake in the water is like a water moccasin, so mm-hmm. they kill them all and all that. But yeah, yeah, but I do love snakes. Well, I actually, uh, I had one, I had one sort of run-in with a herpetologist before. 
I, uh, I went to mm-hmm. the University of Miami, and I had an ecology class where we had a lab uh-huh. where you went to the Everglades. And oh, wow. the first trip that we had, cool. yo, it was it was super cool. But the problem was, was the first trip that that we had, I was sick with a sinus infection, and so I couldn't go. And so I had to make it up. And it was like a week and a half later, they're like, okay, we've got a special trip going with a herpetologist who's collecting snakes for his research, so you can go with them. And I was like, eh, I'm, I still have sinus infection. I have a temperature of 102. I don't think I can go. And they're like, you have to or you fail. What? And I was like, okay, I'll go. And so we go to the uh, Everglades at night. It's like 11, 11 p.m., 10 p.m. And we're going mm-hmm. around. It's really cool because he's just like, he's super good at catching snakes. He just like jumps out of the van and all of a sudden comes out of a bush with five snakes. And you're like, What? How did you yeah. know those were yeah. in there? And he's just like, uh, it, I saw some tracks and I saw some things around, and I'm just like, okay, cool. But uh, I remember, I'll never forget. We go to the water at one point, and we're, we're looking out of the water, and he shines his giant like floodlight out there, and all of a sudden, all these little dots pop up everywhere. There's red dots and there's blue yeah. dots, and he's like, you see all those out there? And I was like, yeah. He's like, the red dots, those are alligators. And I was like. Jesus. And then he's like, see all the blue dots? I was like, yeah, there's like millions of them. He's like, those are spiders. I was just like, God, the water's going to kill me. I need to back away fast. And he was like, oh, don't worry. They're usually pretty docile. You don't have to worry about it. But that was that was my run-in with a herpetologist. It was it was it was great except for the sinus infection. A fantastic trip except for the sinus infection. Uh, Man, that's that's awesome. It was that was probably one of the best things of my whole undergrad experience. And in that same class, when you're talking about snake uh, lizards, we caught lizards with uh, dental floss. That's a fact. they made us make little nooses out of dental floss, and the lizards can't see oh, it. Oh yeah. So you just. Like Oh. Yeah, and you just pull them up, and they just sort of like, what? What I, happened? I what? wish I would have had that knowledge when I was a kid, because I spent countless hours flipping over boards, and yeah, digging behind dumpsters trying to catch lizards. Exactly, would have been far more effective. Exactly. Well, Zach, did you have any other path besides music? Did you have something else like a herpetologist that you were interested in? You know, I wasn't full on herpetologist. I. uh I did have a pet snake growing up. I, I had a pretty healthy interest in amphibians and reptiles, but not to the extent of John's nice passion. I was I was a big sport. I was a big kind of sports nut growing up. Nice. So, what was the favorite sport? Oh, basketball. Nice, nice. Have you been watching yeah. the uh, Last Dance? Oh, of course. That's I'm like reliving my my childhood. Yeah, too. man. Yeah. Um. So it's been it's been kind of fun. It's something my dad and I can can uh connect over and and uh obviously with with the lack of sports everybody's talking about it but it's been a lot of fun exactly it was the perfect time for jordan he just puts it out and nobody is watching anything else and it's just eight million yeah, people he's king again yeah all of a sudden all these lebron fans are like oh that's why michael jordan everybody likes him so much oh i got it i see yeah um it's, uh it's a good reminder of how good he is for sure. I, I, I mean, that's what everybody, everybody, most everybody that knows me knows that I'm a huge 
Jordan fan. So, like, so they true. give me the synopsis every night after it plays. And they're like, oh, hey, he's the greatest. They're yeah. like, what, do, what, do you know about this? I'm like, dude, I've read five of his biographies. I know everything that happened. Like, there's nothing in this this documentary that's thrown me that I was like, what? What happened there? That's crazy. But uh, it for sure, it's it's uh, it's a great reminder and a good look back for sure. But uh, looking back at uh, your guys' career, you guys met in Magnolia, Texas when Zach moved there and you guys were both 14. Now, I got to ask, since it's Magnolia, Texas, is everybody there annoyed at Chip and Joanna Gaines for calling everything they do Magnolia, even though they're not in Magnolia, Texas? Hmm. Like... Do people show up to Magnolia, Texas now looking for things from Fixer Upper on HDTV? That's a good question. I don't think so because I think they're pretty synonymous with Waco. Yeah. But, you know, and I and I, and I gave them, I cut them a little bit of slack too because the Magnolia tree is the state tree of Texas. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. I was going to say Magnolia is pretty synonymous with just sort of like, so I even think of, you know, Louisiana. I was about to New say, Island. I think of Mississippi. Because yeah. I, I, I'm pretty yeah. sure it's the state uh, state tree of Mississippi as well. So true. Um, but okay. yeah, uh, so you guys met when you were 14. You wrote your first song when you were 15 together. It only took a year before you guys wrote your first song together. Well, it wasn't perfection. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, you know, uh, song is a pretty broad, broad catch-all. For you know, chords and words yeah. together. But still, I mean, you know, that's I guess that's what talented people do when they meet each other. I mean, I met a friend when I was fourteen, and all we had done by fifteen was watch some movies and annoy our parents. That was pretty much. That's a fact. Hey guys, we oh, accomplished we that. that. <laughs> yeah, we, were yeah, we certainly did some of that too. But we always shared uh, the you know, we always shared and uh, sort of and a passion for music, and we could both sing, which. We, we realized that's uh, kind of interesting. I guess not everybody can sing, but both of us like to sing together. That's not really something 15-year-old boys do. Yeah. How, how long did uh, that take? Like when, and how did you find out? Were you just like playing the radio and you both started singing? or Probably something like that, yeah. And I played a yeah, little bit of guitar. That's pretty, pretty much it. Nice, nice. You know, I was like, hey, man, check out this Third Eye Blind song I, I just learned to play. Nice. <laughs> It's cool. Nice. I, I did. I, I think I dis- distinctly remember being at uh, at John's house, and he picked up the guitar and, and played played some song we were listening to or, or a part of it. He's like, "Hey, check this out!" I'm like, "Man, I, I think I can sing too." Uh, <laughs> and it, and then out of that, it it just kind of just kind of happened. We started playing around, singing the national anthem, learning to harmonize it, performing yeah. it at school. Nice, man. Not, well, so. You guys uh, ended up going to Texas State University, and John, you dropped out to pursue music full time. And I saw that you actually got you got a deal with Atlantic Records, right? I did. Yeah, it was was a development deal, which you know that that can mean like a million different things. But it it was uh, I call it a learning experience deal. Yeah. So so you you were about what twenty two, and you were in New York. And you have your deal with Atlantic. Uh, what what were you thinking at that time? 
and and how did it turn uh, out afterwards? Well, I was thinking I was going to be you know a huge star because that's what they told me. And <laughs> yeah, I thought, you know, if the labels decided something, then they could make it happen. <laughs> you know, it's uh, I had an A and R guy who uh, was, you know, I still keep in touch with him. He's a good guy. Just you know, we were both very young and excitable. Mm-hmm. He was a young A and R guy, mm-hmm. but he had a lot of influence in the company, and you know. Uh, Things didn't exactly pan out how I think either either of us anticipated, and I learned very quickly that uh, it's a fickle business yeah. with high turnover, and uh, you've got to be your own advocate because other people come and go in your life for sure very quickly for sure. Well, so 2011, fast forward there, you guys are a little older, a little wiser. You both done solo creation of music. And that's when you guys decide, you know, we've been making music together since 15. Why don't we actually make a group? Yes! Why, why do you think it took till then to decide, you know what, let's let's make a group? Why, why wasn't it, you know, 16 that you guys were like, group, we're, we're out on our path of music. There we go. I guess my answer to that would be um, I still had some exploring to do with my solo career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and felt like I needed to sort of do my due diligence there. And, you know, Zach, I don't want to speak for you necessarily, but, you know, knowing you like I did, I don't know if you were necessarily ready to take that plunge. I don't think, uh, I don't know if, I mean, when we were young, I, we we kind of had a, a group for a second or the idea of it. But then, yeah. you know, I, I think the expectation is like go to school and, and, uh, and, and start a start a career and uh i don't i don't know if my head was even in music even when john had dropped out yeah um i was pretty focused on school for sure and then kind of came around to it and i started we would do these tours that started out just kind of driving and like almost tour managing for john and some other guys and then i would we would start singing together and it kind of grew back out of that (laughs) and then you just started merging on to the stage and people were like hey yeah, sex yeah. up here all right <laughs> honestly that's about right and people <laughs> yeah people reacted to it and nice. we we're like you know what it's way more enjoyable to be on stage together it's yeah. more enjoyable to travel together we've been best buddies since we were 15 years old like let's just let's just have a band together yeah instead of I remember uh we were in the car one time and i was i was kind of like driving and it's just like a long for the ride but helping out and uh and one of the guys that we had booked, John had booked these um, house parties and random gigs around the like the South and in Florida. And, and the guy was like, about halfway through the tour, he was like, yeah, Doc's going to be taking my spot on stage but pretty soon or something <laughs> something to that degree. And, uh, and uh, lo and behold, I was about to say, you were like, you know what? That's right. Yeah, I'll take that. Okay, there we go. Oh, well, I don't, I don't know if I'd even thought about it until that point. I was like, well, <laughs> you know what? Oh, he sealed his own fate there. Oh man. Yeah. Oh. Well, I don't think he realized how good you could sing, and then like you were singing in the car or something. He's like, damn, Zach. <laughs> you know, and, oh Zach man, is, uh, he's Zach better is, than me. Ah, oh. yeah. <laughs> Now it was making. Voice is one in a million, man. It's a surprise. It's a 
well, it, freakishly it, powerful voice. It blends so it blends so well together with yours. I mean, the the harmonies obviously are are a big part of your group. Yes! Was was making yeah. the group uh, was making the group and moving to California sort of a package deal, or did that happen after? Did you guys start sort of getting the band together, and then it was like, okay, let's try to go to California to to make this thing happen? So. What's interesting about that is I remember pretty distinctly because it was a little bit of a, I don't want to say traumatic, but it was uh, it was eventful in that I was still pursuing the solo thing. Uh, Zach and I, we, we have a, a good friend, him and his wife, they moved out to California. He's a, a director. And so they were out there and we, we always thought like, you know what, we should, we should head out there. Just, you know, there's obviously a lot of music business out there. And so I was initially going to head out there with my wife and just do the solo thing. Mm-hmm. And she ended up uh, getting a diagnosis for a medical condition that required uh, six months of very prompt treatment. Mm. And it delayed our move by six months. And we were all really bummed. And she had, you know, job opportunity lined up out there. And it kind of put us in a weird stalemate because she had already... She was already quitting her job, her current job, and it just happened really yeah. last minute. But, you know, in hindsight, everything works out because it was during that six-month period that Zach and I really, uh, we wrote our first songs for Jamestown Revival. We made an EP in this, like, very temporary apartment that I lived in. Mm. And, you know, Jamestown Revival was conceived, and so we were able to go out to L.A. with a really clear uh, focus. Yeah. Which it just, it couldn't have worked out any better. Nice. Yeah, and to John's credit, that was a big. I mean, because you had, you had a solo career, so it was that was a that was a, a leap for you as well. I mean, you were taking more of a risk than I was at that time. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I was, but I just I I felt like there was just something really special. I felt like I felt like I and not only that, but I was getting so much more musical fulfillment out of making music together and singing yeah. together. I was like, you know what, people will. People can smell fulfillment from a mile away. They can they can tell when it's real. Yeah, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for when, sure. Well, when so, you're happy doing what you're doing. They read that. Yeah, yeah. The, it's like it's like when you walk in a house and there's good chili cooking on the stove. You know, <laughs> you can smell it. It's, it's not That's it's not exactly from a can. Right. You know, it's real chili. Yeah, exactly. That's been simmering. Although, I've been guilty of uh, of putting down some some canned chili in my day. <laughs> uh, it's still good. It's still good. I yeah. mean, come on. Get the job done. Uh, you guys wrote the, a song about that move to California, and uh, it it turned out to be one of your biggest hits. Uh, it's been streamed millions of times. I think just on Spotify alone, it's like up to like 13 million streams or something like that. And uh, I heard that when you guys first made that song, a friend of yours uh, that, that likes your music was like, eh, I don't know about that song. What? It's not a really good idea. I'd leave it out of the set list. Did that happen? That was pretty much that was word for word just about what he said. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't he wasn't a friend, but he was this guy who put on this concert series that we would perform at cuz when we moved out to California, we would just take we would take any gig that had the potential for people to be listening whether yeah. it was paid or not. Yeah, uh, we played in front of. We played at like grocery stores, department. We'd play anywhere, 
But, uh, we, we played in the jeans section of a department store. Nice. Yeah, All we, right. so we thought That's they were going to give us a pair of jeans because they let us put on some of their jeans to play. <laughs> and then after we got done, they were like, you had to take them okay, off. Okay, uh, so you want to <laughs> you want to take those off back at the changing room? Uh, you can I keep them? Uh, no, sorry. Also, the demos only. We also played in front of the in front of the beer section at a Whole Foods one time, which was pretty interesting because people were still shopping for their beer and we'd have to. In between songs, like hand a six pack over. Uh, uh, you're sort of in my way. My beer's behind you. Oh, sorry. Okay, there we go. There'd be times when you're like, yeah. man, we're, we got a little crowd here. They're like, they're, they're really responding. And then we'd finish a song, and like six people would just ask for some beer and then walk away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Oh, that's. Uh, sorry, I derailed you, Zach. But this guy. Yeah, but, but yeah, he he put on this concert series, and we we got to know him pretty well, but. We're performing there, and we're really excited about California when we wrote it. We were really high on it. And um, maybe we just played it too soon and it wasn't ready, but we played it at one of these events. And afterwards, he was like, you know, I'd, I'd probably leave that one out of the set. And so it really soured us on the song for a long time. We were just like, well, all right, maybe it's not as good as we think. I feel like that's if you had like a friend that owned an Italian restaurant and somebody coming in their Italian restaurant and be like, hey, I tried that pizza. Take that off. Word. That's not really good. Nobody yeah. else is going to want that. Just leave that out. That's yeah. uh, Do you, I mean, do you we still talk to that it. guy? Yeah, we, it, I mean, that no. one died on the vine right there. <laughs> we stopped playing it for probably a good six, eight months. I don't know. Man. You know, we don't talk to him anymore. I don't know if he's still doing those concert series or what, but, <laughs> you know, it was just, uh, I think he was trying to be honest, but uh, I he did. I don't think he was. He didn't have the right ear. One. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, so how how long did you guys live in California before you moved back to Austin? Uh, it was three years and change. Three years. Yeah, almost four. N- now I've yeah, got. Yeah, it was. It was meant to be. Six it gets kind of blurry. It, it gets it gets a little blurry because we were we were kind of on the move a lot at that time, so it, it all feels like one big tour. Yeah, I've I've got to derail from music for a sec. Uh, We all know uh, Austin is a music town, but uh, listeners of this show also know it's a food town because I constantly ask my guests about food. So true. We've had some Austin bands on the show before, and I always ask them, if I'm coming to the hometown, where am I going to eat? So if I'm coming to Austin, what is the one place that you guys would recommend to me that you'd say you need to eat there? And uh, I think I checked. The last time we had an Austin band on, I got uh, Valentina's and Salt Lick. Those were the two places that I got last time. John, man, you're you're way more in touch with the uh, the in town eateries than I am. What what is that one <laughs> you know, place that they've got so like much. really good drinks out of the out of the out of a tap, like really good uh, cocktails out of tap, and like uh, not is it Odd Duck or? Oh yeah, Odd Duck and Sour Duck are both amazing. They're uh, nice. owned by the same people. Amazing food. Kind of one's like a small play place, and the other one is a, is a bakery. And then they they have Palomas on tap that are amazing. Nice. Um, and then uh, Loro is a really cool. Oh yeah, that place is great. Yeah, it's uh, Franklin's Barbecue, and then this uh, this other. Um, Asian fusion restaurant mm. came together to do like a barbecue Asian fusion that's pretty amazing. Nice. Um, I, I think I've heard of Franklin's before. I think I've heard. 
Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. You might have heard of it. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to keep up in Austin anymore because every year, like, 10 amazing restaurants that's, pop up. That's, it really is a great food city. And then if you want a real deep, deep dive, <clears> I, I can't even remember the name, but uh, about, like, a hundred yards to the left of where I live, there's a little taco truck that's fantastic, <laughs> and I hope it. I hope it doesn't blow up because it's one of my favorite. When the band comes to town, we always that's where we go. Nice, nice. So sometimes the smallest, the 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 smallest food trucks, best food, man, best food. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of food and drink, you guys have collaborated on a whiskey, uh, specifically Oak and Eden's Round Prairie Rye. So they finish their whiskey differently. They, they have a spire in the bottle so that it finishes in the bottle. How did you guys uh, come together on that collaboration? Did they come to you, or were you guys sitting around like, we need to join in with somebody on a whiskey? Like, how did that happen? <laughs> well, you know, I guess going way back, uh, I've had a really uh, deep-rooted interest in home distilling. Mm-hmm. So I, I got like books about distilling and I learned about distilling and learned about the process and I always really wanted to do it and really contemplate doing it in my garage. Unfortunately, you know, it's a felony offense, which I think is really silly, Yeah. but it kind of dissuaded me from doing so. And uh, Oak and Eaton, the guys from Oak and Eaton actually found us and approached us about doing a collaboration and I thought, wow, this is kind of a way to yeah. like have my cake and eat it too they've got a distiller's license yeah and they've got the infrastructure and we get to just do the easy part <laughs> uh which is which is concoct um Taste concoct test. an idea <laughs> and they can help execute it yeah and so you know that that's sort of how it it came to be and i was also really intrigued by the idea of the spire yeah uh and you know how like the science behind it and the legit legitimacy behind it because i'm a woodworker as well mm-hmm. and so i'm very familiar with how wood takes in water and For moisture sure. it's all through ingrain yeah and so the way that they cut those spires they're basically exposing you know all of the ingrain that you can so that wood is breathing breathing the liquid and moving a lot of liquid yeah. through uh the cellulose structures which i thought was really cool Probably getting more wood. Yeah. But if you put a long stick of wood in there that only has two sides of ingrain, one on each side exposed, it's not going to breathe very much, uh, very much whiskey. Less surface area. Yeah, less ingrain surface area. So if you cut a spiral around just exposing ingrain after ingrain, it's going to give it uh, a much more dramatic result. Nice. Nice. And I guess guess you're happy with the, the product, good tasting product at the end? It's it's one of my favorite whiskeys, honestly. And I was worried the first time I tasted tasted it because, you know, we we tasted concepts and thought they were good, but uh, you know, your first taste of a production run, like I hope it just didn't get messed up or yeah. or, or something didn't happen. And this is different from what I tasted before. Yeah. Uh, and lo and behold, I, it. In, in my opinion, it more than delivers. Very nice. Very nice. Well, uh, sorry, I got derailed on, on food and spirits. Yes! On music there, after you guys uh, had that success with Utah, after you had California and you had this sort of uh, not planned gr- uh, great reaction to that first uh, first album, 
it seems like it almost haunted you guys a little bit. Like it was a little like, oh, geez, people like that. And then you then you went into uh, writing the education of the wandering man. Did did it sort of affect the way you guys wrote that next album? Yeah, most definitely. I, I think the you know uh, we it was a bit unexpected. Just not that we were all of a sudden uh, Pearl Jam or something, but uh, <laughs> but we you know we we had a we were showing up to places and people were there. And we weren't used to that. And that was cool and. <laughs> Uh, and then the expectation to write a second album, and we had we decided to to go with a, a label, and mm-hmm. so just the the whole process was a was a different process, and I think um, it you can't help but have that you know play with your head a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Well, your 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 most recent album, San Isabel, uh, you recorded it in San Isabel, Colorado, and it seems like you sort of went back again to saying. Okay, we're gonna go find another place in the middle of nowhere, and we're gonna record an album that mainly focuses on the harmonies and on sort of the roots of the band. Uh, I do have to say, what do you guys love about recording in cabins? What's 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 the great process of doing that? It's the fact that you're not on the clock, mm-hmm. and it's the fact that yeah. a you're in an inspiring location, mm-hmm. but b it's not like you. You're not waking up at your house thinking about, oh, I got to get to the studio. Our session starts at, you know, 1030, fighting traffic to get there. Mm-hmm. And then you get into this weird, dark, dark, dimly lit room. And it's all of a sudden you're supposed to have immediate five. Yeah. And, and then, but then, you know, your session, uh, locked out is like 10 hours. And that's just not to us the ideal way to create because inspiration hits you at weird often inopportune times yeah and i think to be in a place where you're living in the place that you're creating your music whenever it strikes you can hit record and it's sincere and it's real that way and and just being in the woods inspires us and it you know it just you feel you feel disconnected from the madness of day-to-day life in society yeah well, I, I just think simplicity is, a, is something we're drawn to, and and when we're at our best, if we try to overthink it, then it that's exactly what it'll be. But if we <laughs> take it at a more slow and casual pace, it it tends to have more heart. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you guys bring somebody along to like when you recorded this? Did was there a sound engineer, or were you guys doing all of the recording yourselves? Yeah, we are. You know. I can do some basic engineering. I'm not great. I can do some basic recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll just, you know, try to learn it as much as I can. But it's, we're not engineers. It's complicated, you know, man. Yeah. And I think to really do that right, you've got to bring in somebody who is almost really a collaborator with you on the album. For sure. And so we brought in one guy. His name's Jamie Method. He's worked a lot with Nathaniel Ratliff, Gregory Allen Isakoff, um, you know, different people who we, we really whose work we really respect yeah and he lives in colorado and he's just a mountain man who mountain bikes all the time and lives in a in a ghost town yeah in colorado. good engineers are like mad scientists they are so he came along and he was really he, he was a friend a collaborator and an artist on the record and he's he's awesome to work with and 
you know, nice. we're planning on working with them again for the next one. It, it always amazes me with sound engineers because it's 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 they're a scientist and they're an, they're an alchemist because they just have these mm-hmm. weird yeah, they have these weird ideas that all of a sudden they're like you know what we should put a mic over here and I think if we put a mic over here it'll bounce off of this and we'll get the volume here and Word. and all of a sudden you're like wow that sounds amazing because like it always yeah. it blows me away on Led Zeppelin. Uh, Four, oh. where they had when the levee breaks and the the, the drums. yeah they just set the drums yeah. up in a in a stairwell and all of a sudden you can hear it though yeah, yeah exactly well and and before Paige told that story everybody's just like oh man how is he doing that with the drums what is that is that like a reverb or what's going you know like and and it's just they they were like oh put the mics in the stairwell there we go okay like and I, I think. I think that's the fun part of, of, of recording and recording in a, in a, a different way. And part of the challenge of being in a cabin is you have to get creative. You're like, okay, we're limited by this space and we have to try it this way because, and, and we're learning as we go how to get sounds as opposed to like going to a studio with somebody who's just like, well, this is how I've always done it. And this is what worked on this record. So we're going to do it this way. And it's a little yeah. less formulaic. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, uh, after releasing San Isabel, you guys uh, actually played uh, the Ryman uh, fairly uh, fairly recently after that. Always a magical place to play. And uh, a friend of the show, Trey Binkley, uh, great guitarist, he was at the show. And I was telling him you guys were coming on the show. And he was like, he's like, oh, dude, I saw him at the Ryman. And they did a rendition of Seven Bridges Road. And it was awesome. Yes! And... Uh, <laughs> I got. I gotta say, that's one of my favorite Eagle jams ever. And I gotta wonder, have you guys ever thought about recording a classic like that on on one of your albums? You know, we recorded California Dreaming on San Isabel. No, nice. so I guess you know that's uh, yeah, that's one stab at a classic. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, gosh, Seven Bridges Road is awesome. Yeah, it's fun to sing, and that'd be a very we recording were, yeah. song to record. I don't think. I don't think we're above it. Um, it's really just when, you know, sometimes they find you and you're like, oh, yeah, let's, let's do that one. Yeah. And for that tour in particular, we were having fun because we would start the set with the Seven Bridges and then bookend it. Nice. So we'd go back into it. Nice. Which was kind of, it was a fun, uh, just fun way to start and end a set and, and different for us. Yeah, for sure. Well, speaking of those, you know, 70s harmonies, uh, I heard you uh, talking to, about San Isabel and saying that you know the harmonies that you made on the album were a bit of a reflection of what you guys were listening to. Um, and you were listening to a lot of Crosby, Stills, Nash, and uh, I gotta say, I listened to your most recent release, "Helplessly Hoping," and you 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 got it in that song. Uh, like I, I was listening to it, and I was like, "That's Crosby, Stills, and Nash right there." Like in, in a good way, not <laughs> obviously not like in a bad way, but it it sounds so good as far as the harmonies. Yeah, well, I mean that was a real tribute, and you know, paying homage to them mm-hmm. and what they did. Yeah. Whereas you know, making our own music, yeah, you don't want to, you want it to be yours, and these influences are going to seep in subconsciously. Yeah, and I think it's more of a subtle thing when yeah. it's your own album. Yeah, versus you know. Uh, covering one of their songs, you know, it's you. 
you make it your own, but you also do try. You attempt to do what they did. That was so incredible with the original recording. Yeah, well, I was I was wondering, you know, did you did you approach it like we're gonna make this them, or are we gonna? Did you did you first approach it like let's make this our, our own, or were you like let's just try to recreate what they did? Honestly, we we decided to record that song. Um, we decided we made the decision to do it on a whim one day when we were in my home studio. And the whole thing was done an hour and a half later, and so honestly, <laughs> yeah. we didn't we didn't really make we any decisions. Actually, we just started playing it. We were actually um, uh, we recorded that with our friend. There's a third harmony on there, uh, Justin Levine, and he's been working on a, a, a musical um, called The Outsiders. Yeah, and he was in Austin, and we were actually working. We were gonna just record some rough demos of songs we had written for the musical, and we all sat down in John's studio and started performing that and everybody just sort of just like picked a harmony yeah we were singing the song and so uh i think we played maybe like a minute of the song and we got through and we're like i think john was like i want to record that so we just sort of <laughs> that was what we we spent the next hour and a half recording that song and that was the that's what we released nice I, I i didn't check the liner notes i was wondering if you guys sort of uh, if if one of you did both of the harmonies or not there if it was a uh, another person no, there. That, was a, that was a live live performance just from john's little studio nice well it sounds it sounds amazing for that that's uh were i mean did you have a sound engineer for that song or was that just you guys recording it John was our sound engineer. Nice. And so he's being modded. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's very. That's very well done. Then, uh, much much better than I could do with any mics. Um, well, you know, we we don't have a lot of it, but the equipment that we do have, we've invested in really nice equipment. Nice. And you know, we can run a handful of channels with really good preamps and really good microphones. And I, you know. You can't get too hung up on that stuff because some people are so hung up on on gear, but gear doesn't fix a lackluster song. And a really great song recorded with really terrible gear is still a compelling song as long as the performance is good. Yeah, just listen to a lot of Robert Johnson stuff. It's uh, exactly <laughs> about as bad as it gets as far as recording. Um, yeah. So last, yeah, maybe that, oh. maybe that's a, a testament to that song. It just makes us sound better than. <laughs> we actually are. <laughs> I, I I think it's both. I think I think you guys did a great job and a great job recording for sure. Um, Thank you. So so last question: What's the plans for Jamestown Revival after the quarantine is over? What are you guys uh, looking to to get accomplished uh, as soon as you can? You know, we've actually been writing a lot, and mm -hmm. what's interesting is this has forced us to write independently mm -hmm. of each other. Yeah, which. I don't enjoy writing independently as much as I enjoy writing together, but we kind of haven't had a choice, so we've had to make the best of it. Yeah. And we've been sending each other songs and sending each other bits of songs, and they've I'm really encouraged because there's some exciting exciting stuff and some songs that I, I'm really inspired by. And so we're further along in our writing process for our next album than I think we thought we'd be by now. Nice. Uh, and I think, you know in the next couple months we're going to start looking to record another album and and release a, a full-length album sooner than later 
And starting in 2021, hopefully live performance comes back. Nice. And, you know, we've got dates booked January 2021, and I'm hoping they hold, and I'm hoping things continue to improve. For sure. You know, just cautiously optimistic, because that's all we can be. Yeah. Now, have you, have you guys cho- chose a uh, random state and a empty cabin for this next uh, album, or...? <laughs> We, you know, we're we're throwing some ideas around. Okay, maybe maybe Michigan no. Upper Peninsula. That's a pretty. Oh man, I've heard I've heard good things. Yeah, that's pretty that that's pretty isolated, and uh, you know, yeah. Gordon Lightfoot used to talk about it all the time. So hey, hey, it, if, if if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for us. <laughs> Love me some Gordon Lightfoot. Yeah, man, Sundown. It's my favorite jam of his. Yeah, so good. Heck yeah. yeah. Such a good song. Well, guys, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you guys. Hey, likewise, thank man. You. Thanks for having us. Yes, sir. Listeners, you can follow all things Jamestown Revival at www.jamestownrevival.com or follow them on Instagram at Jamestown Revival. Right now, let's hear that cover of Helplessly Hoping right here on the Doc G Show. And we are back here on the Doc G Show. You just heard Jamestown Revival, Zach and John getting it done. They sound like two angels. That's what they sound like. Oh, yeah. Two. And they are awesome. Southern Texas angels. That's what they sound like. Drunk on whiskey. Not really. Very eloquently put. (laughs) Not yet. Not not drunk. Sipping whiskey. Restate. (laughs) Sipping whiskey and loving snakes am i right am i right dave loving snakes you know it's a common thing around here i guess it's it's i mean he he's a lover of all reptiles not just snakes you know lizards turtles bring them all on john's a big fan and you know what i'm right there with him and you are too amen sir amen so Let's see. I think we can make a pretty good. I mean, we can make just sort of like a good U-turn now, Dave. If we if we go out to uh, Detour Donuts in Frisco, Texas, and then we just hit it south to uh, to Austin, make a stop over and then there. U-turn yeah. back. I think that'll be pretty good there. That'll. I think that's the best uh, the best way to do it. Yeah, pretty solid, pretty solid, folks. If you haven't checked out Santa Isabel, check it out. It's a good album. It's hanging on the wall here in the studio. It's fantastic. Yes! It's fantastic. Uh, Dave, it's time. Last birthday suit. All right. Now, this one, pretty confident. It's in your wheelhouse. 97% okay. confidence rating. Oh, man. It's pretty, yeah. pretty high. It's pretty high. Uh, born in, uh, May 20th, 1992. In Zurich, Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Our birthday suit, uh, suit wearer's father was studying to be a doctor in Switzerland. And when our birthday suit wearer was born, they uh, uh, they remove they they moved back to Turkey. That mm-hmm. that's where they're originally from. Growing up, our okay. birthday suit wearer loved basketball, and by his teenage years, he moved to Istanbul, Turkey, to play professional mm-hmm. basketball. At the age of 17, he moved to the United Mm -hmm. States to play basketball. From Mm -hmm. 2010 to 2011, he went to the University of Kentucky, 
although he never played basketball for Kentucky because in the NCAA deemed him permanently ineligible to play or practice with a college team since he received money and other payment from teams in Europe. So, Weird. he went to the NBA in 2011 and was drafted mm-hmm. by the Utah Jazz third overall. In mm-hmm. 2015, he was traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Then in 2017, he was traded to the New York Knicks. Then in 2019, he was traded to the Trailblazers. And last year, he signed a two-year deal with the Boston Celtics. Our birthday suit wearer has been a very uh, has been very vocal about how he does not agree with the leaders of Turkey, which has caused him. Ines Cantor. There you go, Ines Cantor. Yes. Yes, yes, amen, amen, nicely Thank done. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank That's you. why I had a 97% confidence rating. That was it. So true. Not not the most popular player, but I knew you'd get it. I knew you'd get it. Well, I, I didn't know if it was going to be like Turgaloo or Cantor. No. Nope. The Turkish guys, I got to. Enos. There's not too many of them. No, not too many. And, and now Enos can't go back to Turkey, so, you know. Nope. He's a blackballed. Man, he's a man without a home right now. It's not. It's not a great feeling. I gotta say. Pretty sad. Yeah. Pr- probably not a great feeling. But you know what? He uh, he talks a lot of crap to uh, to LeBron James, and it, it makes me laugh. So true. Uh, he, he does talk crap to pretty much anybody that wants it. He's like the tough guy of the court. Well, you know, and the funny part he'll, is he'll swing some blows with anyone. The funny part is is you know, usually tough guys are like really good on D, and that is definitely not what Enos Canner is known not for. Not him. No. Yeah, like you know, I mean like you think about all the tough guys like Dennis Rodman, defensive guy. Ron Artest, mm-hmm. defensive guy. Ba- Pat yep. Beverly, defensive guy. Enos Canner, yep. not. Nope. Like, you know, it's, it's crazy. Barely an offensive guy. Yeah. Oh, come on. Well, no, he's had his times. I mean, he probably averages like eight. He uh, he had a, uh, he, uh, I noticed when I was doing the write-up, he had on uh, Christmas Day, he's one of only three players to score over 30 mm-hmm. points and 20 rebounds. That's right. Yeah. On, on like Christmas. On game, he had yeah. a 30 and 20. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it was That's a hell of a game. Exactly. It was him, Wilt Chamberlain, and Bill Russell. They're the only people that have done it. So What yeah. a crew. Yeah, exactly. Hey, props to you, Inez Cantor. Happy At birthday. Twenty eight, turning the big two eight. Getting old there, Enos. Getting old, man. All right, Dave. It's time. To tell you about some good shows. I got two good shows to tell you about. We've got Tell me, sir. We've got uh, Mike and the Moon Pies. Get excited. It's another Austin Ooh. crew. Now, I the, like that name. The funny thing about Mike and the Moon Pies, their manager called me up and was like, hey, uh, you want to do a show with Mike and the Moon Pies? And I was like, yeah, I think I've heard of them. And I was like, where have I heard of them before? And then I was like, wait a second. I think Reckless Kelly, when we had them on the show, talked about uh, Mike and the Moon Paws. I went back and listened to the show. They did. So true. They, that, oh, look that, at you. That Good was, pull there. That was one of the bands that they said they loved watching in the Austin area. So, Reckless Kelly, okay. big fans of Mike and the Moon Paws. There you go. Yes! There you go. Nice. 
Yeah, so they're going to be on the show. I'm excited about that. They recorded their last album at Abbey Road Studios. Yeah, the Abbey Road Studios in England, where the Beatles oh, okay. recorded. Where the Beatles. Yeah, got it. Look yeah, it's nuts. Then, on top of that, we got Gangster Grass, fantastic Ooh. bluegrass hip hop amalgamation. Yes! The the crazy uh, idea of Wrench, the producer Wrench. He's going to be on the show. He is sort of the, the the mastermind behind it. Very excited to talk mm -hmm. to him. They got a new album coming out. That's a cool idea. Yeah. Check that out. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. And then we've got 1,000 Horses. They're coming. They're coming. The 1,000 nice. Horses, they're coming. So Be ready, folks. Great shows coming up, Dave. Great shows coming up. Don't miss them out. No. No. Miss out, miss out on no, them. No, no. <laughs> don't even. You don't need to correct it, Dave. That's There's right. no need to correct it. You say what you want. You're the co-host. No, you say it. That didn't make any sense. Dude, we don't edit that crap out. Leave it in there. 70% of the things I don't say on this show make sense. Come on. So true. That's fair. That's fair. The overwhelming majority, I go back, and when I hear it, I'm like, what? What did, what? Oh! did I smoke before this show? What happened? Anyways. Sometimes. Anyways, Dave. We got to wrap it up for this show. I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Dave Burles, Berlin. Don't smoke, folks. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do drugs. Social distance. Keep your distance. What? There it Stay is. Stay safe. There it is. Amen. And until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity doo da. Oh,